we played Nerf darts, like, you know, with the, the Nerf guns. But, you know, it's pretty standard, I guess. That's Arye Austin Elbaz. What he describes might be pretty standard, if not for the fact that the Nerf darts flew at the bar mitzvah of his older brother Ethan on the remote Hawaiian island of Kauai back in 2007. But it was more exotic than that. Bar mitzvah boy Ethan Austin Albaz remembers that the festive meal had a distinctively Hawaiian flair. Potatoes, salads, fruits, vegetables... Most of it was fish. But this Lamplighters episode tells the story of Ethan's bar mitzvah not because it was exotic, being made as it was on a remote island in the middle of the Pacific. We're telling this story because of what happened about 15 years after the event. I get a WhatsApp. Hi, remember me? My name is Aryeh Elbaz. That's Rabbi Michal Goldman. Chabad Shliach to Kauai. I said, oh, of course I remember you. You were the younger brother of Ethan, and I remember you didn't want to have a bar mitzvah, and I said, why are you calling me? Arya needed a big favor from Rabbi Goldman, who he hadn't seen or talked to in about 15 years. But why Rabbi Goldman? Uh, I thought uh, Rabbi Machoy was um, a very cool guy. He left a memory on me, like he's always been like very chill and like uh, understanding kind of person, and easy to talk to and connect with. Arye is not what you'd call overly Jewishly observant. But, you know, Ahavas Yisrael, loving your fellow Jew, is not predicated on them becoming observant. So we love them, we embrace them as they are, because they're Hashem's children, they're our brothers and sisters. Now, many of the stories we've told on Lamplighters have featured drama and danger. But this is not one of those stories, at least not yet, because sometimes the best work Chabad emissaries do yields subtle outcomes. It involves planting seeds and then waiting very patiently for them to grow, even if they begin to grow in unexpected ways, and even if they have no idea that's happening. That's what Chabad of Kauai did for Arye Austin Elbaz and for the members of his immediate family. I'm Gary Wallach, and this is Lamplighters, stories from Chabad emissaries on the Jewish frontier. Life as a Chabad emissary is often joyous, but it can be unpredictable and even dangerous. Chabad has become a ubiquitous presence in every corner of the world. But behind every Chabad house are emissaries, regular people, striving to transcend their circumstances and a community that supports and relies on them. These are their stories. Rabbi Michal Goldman's parents ran a Chabad house in South Africa. But even though Goldman grew up in that environment, he wasn't sure he wanted to be a Chabad emissary. But he would eventually be convinced otherwise. A couple of decades ago, in what he and his wife Zissel describe as a series of divine providence or Hashkacha Pratis events, Goldman began to focus on the relatively undeveloped island of Kauai. What a place of tranquility it is and peace and natural beauty. Goldman made a trip and discovered that there were more Jews on Kauai than anyone had thought. There's all these Jews here. I keep meeting Jews. That was like, it's time for me to like say yes and open the door. Goldman sensed that the island attracted spiritual seekers. He began to realize that he was meant to be a Chabad Shliach all along. The Rebbe said that when you identify an area in this world, a corner of the world, that you see the need and nobody else does, it's kind of like an indication that that's your calling. So my conviction was Kauai needs a Chabad house. 
McCoyle and Zissel Goldman began making frequent trips to Kauai around 2007. Zissel says island living required a major adjustment. Coming from New York City was probably the most polar opposite place on this planet that you could get from Kauai on so many levels. My wife's a city girl. To live on Kauai was very hard for her. And she was honest about it. It was very remote, very lonely, and you're 5,000 miles away from your family. So it was very hard for her. But the Goldmans began their outreach. They held the first kosher community Passover seders on Kauai. They had just a week to prepare. So it was, it was um, a bit of an adventure at the beginning and, and a lot of trust and faith needed that things would fall into place. For years, the Goldmans made many trips from Crown Heights to Kauai as they built community and celebrated Jewish holidays. In 2013, they moved to Kauai with their daughter and found a permanent home there. We had been visiting the island for a number of years before, coming back and forth for the Menyam Tovim, and we came with certain seeds already having been planted. But the challenges were many. The first were the logistics and expense of getting kosher food, particularly kosher meat. Jews there are scattered across the 33-mile-wide island, which has only one major road. The Goldman say many of them are susceptible to faiths not their own. There are a lot of people who identify with the Buddhist teachings. I believe we have probably the most churches per capita. And then there's the general spiritual population in terms of probably what's referred to today as the New Age spirituality. Michal Goldman recreates many of the conversations he's had to convince Jews to embrace Judaism. And then you're saying, oh, well, we have spirituality. Yeah, but we already have spirituality. So, like, why do we need your spirituality? No, but you don't understand. Like, this is going to resonate with your soul on a deeper level. This is who you really are. And so, naturally, when you start doing Jewish programming, there's a lot of projection on their part that they're not welcome. The welcome begins, as it does at most Chabad houses, with Friday night Shabbos meals. I cannot tell you how many people have experienced their first Shabbos meal at my table. 50s, 60s, 70s, older. It still always amazes me. One by one, at their Shabbos table, or at various events, the Goldmans met the Jews of Kauai, which some had originally thought numbered in the dozens. The Goldmans began to realize that there were hundreds. Kauai is a magnet for the most amazing souls, and I have stories that could fill a book of interesting characters that we've met over the years. There was a man they call Reb Moshe. Reb Moshe lived on a yacht in the harbor, and he hasn't worn shoes in 30, 40 years because he wanted to connect with the earth. Reb Moshe speaks a fluent Yiddish. You'd think you're talking to an elder chassid. And Reb Moshe actually was at Fabrengans of the Rebbe back in the day. He used to take the subway from Manhattan to come to hear the Fabrengans because he loved the, the nigunim, the warmth, the atmosphere. A really soulful Jew. And Reb Moshe and I would... would talk story, as they say in Hawaii, talk story and schmooze for hours and became very close. Zissel Goldman met a Jewish woman living on Kauai who is into almost every religion, but not Judaism. She told Zissel, You know, Zissel, I really like you guys, but I'm not into the Jewish things. A little over four years ago, Zissel brought this woman matzah for Passover. And she accepted it, came to the Seder that year. And we have an absolutely beautiful relationship, really appreciates what Yiddishkeit has to offer. I can't say she's totally renounced whatever she's into now, but she's learning and she's growing and she's open. 
Then there was Eliyahu, who visited the Goldmans from Bora Bora. He showed up unannounced, bearing precious gifts, a dollar from the Rebbe, and a blessing that they should have a child. And it actually ended up manifesting. They had a baby boy who they brought home from the hospital on the same date the Rebbe gave Eliyahu the dollar. The Goldmans began to offer a full range of Jewish experiences, Shabbos and holiday gatherings, of course, but also Torah classes, arts and crafts for women, and special events of all kinds. But you have smaller crowds, and sometimes underwhelming, but the real work is in the one-on-one. And my wife will remind me that it's the one-on-one connection with each individual that counts, that you can do the fantastic programs, and it's all wonderful, but unless you connect with each individual personally, it's not going to have the same impact. That's where the Goldmans shine, and nowhere is that more evident than in their relationship with a family that arrived in Kauai from Oahu in the early 2000s. I grew up in Hawaii, born on Oahu, moved to Kauai in about second grade. That's Ethan Austin Elbaz. Ethan's family moved to Kauai because his dad is an agronomist, and pretty much everything grows on the island. They took full advantage of outdoor life, hiking, swimming, boating, and fishing, in one of the most spectacular locations on Earth. Growing up, I went to Kalapaki Beach a lot. It was really nice. Koke'e State Park is awesome. Nepali coastline, that's where you really want to go. When the Austin Elbaz family landed on Kauai, they observed basic kosher law and the major Jewish holidays. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Hanukkah, Pesach. That's Ethan's mom, Yvette. For her, a strong sense of identity was the most important thing she could instill in her children. I wanted to make sure that my kids had a Jewish identity. They felt connected to their Jewish identity and ancestry. It's very important. You know, you're Jewish and and that's that. That's Erin. She's the youngest of Yvette's three children. And it's something that you can't change. You're Jewish and no matter how religious or how non-religious you are, you're Jewish and that's just the fact of it. And then the family was paid a visit at home by someone who agrees with that philosophy, Rabbi Michal Goldman. He was different. He was so very accessible, very easygoing. Um, Even the kids, it it was wonderful to see the kids around him. They felt very comfortable and, you know, kind of pulled towards him in a natural way. Yvette's three children agree. Oh, I love Rabbi Goldman. He is the nicest, most caring person ever. He's just so welcoming. He's just so nice. He's just a very kind and understanding person, like not the type of person that would push anything onto you, just, you know, accepts you for who you are and is okay with that. The Austin Elbaz family began going to Shabbos meals and other events with the Goldmans. Like he made everybody feel included, everybody feel loved, everybody... Feel welcome. Around Ethan's 12th birthday, Yvette shared an idea with him. She's like, we can do a bar mitzvah for you. We can talk to Rabbi Goldman about it. And if this is something you want to do as your rite of passage as being a Jewish male, this is something we will make happen for you. And he wanted to do it. He said, yeah, I want to do it. I felt like this was something I had to do for myself 
as well as for the community, as well as for my heritage. Yvette reached out to Rabbi Goldman, who was still traveling quite a bit to and from New York at that time. So Goldman reached out for a little help. He arranged for a member of the community to teach Ethan key Jewish prayers. Yvette's brother sent Ethan a recording of himself chanting Ethan's Torah portion using the traditional Sephardi trope that he and Yvette had heard growing up in their French Algerian community in France. The bar mitzvah date was set for November 2007. And Ethan began learning one-on-one -on -one with Rabbi Goldman. As the big day approached, Goldman arranged for yeshiva students to fly in from Oahu. And they basically brought a whole shul with them. They arrived with a kosher Torah scroll to fill in for Ethan and enough prayer books and chumashim for a full Shabbos service. Yvette put them up in a hotel near the Austin Albaz home, which was to be the site of Ethan's bar mitzvah. They came and helped me prepare pretty much for the big day. And we kosherized the whole house, the kitchen, and started preparing food. Challah bread, salmon, potatoes, salads, fruits. I believe most of it was fish, though, because that's the easiest thing to kind of keep kosher. It also sounds like a nice Hawaiian menu. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and we got the living room set up. We moved all the furniture out. We got the chairs set up. So you had, you know, chairs on one side for the women, chair on one on the other side for the men, and we had um, the side where Ethan could read for the from the Torah. So when you entered, it was not a home anymore, but kind of like a mini synagogue. It was pretty nice. And they had a whole Friday night meal, and then they gave him an aliyah to the Torah, Shabbos day. For me, it was a very special event. Everybody was happy. Everybody was cheerful. Everybody ate. It was a big party. I did my process to become a Jewish man. I feel that made me a better person. It made me a more whole person. It's something that I carry forward. Rabbi Goldman was sure that Ethan's bar mitzvah would inspire his younger brother, Aryeh, to have his own. But for some reason, he said no thanks. And I was, I was really devastated that he wasn't inspired enough to have a bar mitzvah like his brother. My parents asked me, you know, if I wanted to do it, but I told my parents I didn't want a bar mitzvah. Aryeh says he's always been adverse to religion. And so, you know, I didn't exactly want to study for that or go through with it. And uh, so my mom was understanding and she was okay with that. I just said, you know what, I'm not going to force him. I said, okay, that's fine. You know, you can always do it later in life. A couple years later, Aaron had pretty much the same experience. And I don't really know what happened, but I, I never went through with it. The Austin Elbaz family moved back to Oahu and then to the somewhat less temperate climate of Minnesota. The kids went off to college. They fell off my radar. You get busy with your community and another thing happens, another thing happens, and I lost touch with them. They earned their college degrees and went out into the world, but an interesting thing happened with Aryeh and Aaron. At Yvette's suggestion, Aryeh had gone on a birthright trip to Israel while he was still in college. It was his first time in the country. He loved it so much that he returned after graduation and worked for a year as an English teacher. And so after completing that, I knew in my mind that I wanted to live here in Israel. So uh, I was looking to make Aliyah. So Aryeh called the person he trusted the most to help him. And um, I was calling up Rabbi Mikhail Goldman to see if he can write me a letter regarding my Judaism for the Jewish agency. So why Rabbi Goldman? Why not someone else? I remember kind of his presence, kind of how he was. And 
also I because I, I wasn't connected to any Jewish uh, communities so I reached out to him I get a whatsapp hi remember me my name is Aryeh Elbaz I said oh of course I remember you you were the younger brother of Ethan and I remember you didn't want to have a bar mitzvah I don't know if I said that right away but I was like that's how I remembered him and he said yeah 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 we joked about it I said why are you calling me he said, I'm wondering if you can write a letter for me that I'm Jewish for Nefesh Benefesh. That's the agency that facilitates Aliyah. And I was like, wow, like you didn't want to have a bar mitzvah and now you want to make Aliyah? Like how did this happen? Aryeh told Rabbi Goldman that he felt a strong connection to the people and to the land of Israel. It's not exactly the easy thing to explain, but when you're here, you just, you, it's just something that you feel, that connection. And I said to him, well, maybe you'll meet a Jewish girl, you know. And he says, well, believe it or not, I already did. <laughs> and that's part of why I want to go back, because I already have a Jewish girlfriend and I'm getting to connect my Jewish roots. Yvette recently asked Arye if he'd like to come back to live in the U.S. He said, no, this is where I belong. I belong in Israel. How can I argue that? I cannot, you know. A couple years after Arye made Aliyah, Erin did the same. She had graduated from the University of Minnesota, where she had become involved with Hillel and Chabad on campus. But she was ready for more. She reached out to Rabbi Goldman. He helped me with my proof of Judaism letter. And none of the rabbis I met ever quite felt like Rabbi Mechoyal. You know, he's just, he feels like family. It was amazing to me that they had reached back into the memory of 15 years earlier. And it showed me, hey, you never know. Erin is a graphic designer. She lives in Rishon Letzion, keeps kosher, and she's learning more about Jewish practice from her boyfriend. Arye also lives in Rishon Letzion. He manages the call center for a company that provides birthright trips to Israel. He plans on staying there for, in his words, quite a while. Ethan is a nurse in Austin, Texas. He still celebrates Jewish holidays. Since the beginning, the Goldmans had a vision to create a retreat center in Kauai. Basically, we envision um, Kauai being such a unique place on this earth and um, being that it draws spiritual seekers to those just wanting just a more grounded, you know, earth-friendly quality of life. We see this being really a place for retreats. They also dream of a new mikvah and a biblical garden, appropriate because Kauai is nicknamed the Garden Island. For now, building Jewish community and connecting with people who grew up with little to no Yiddishkeit is plenty of work for them as they raise their children. Those one-on-one -on -one connections we've created in the community are so profound. And over the years, I've come to realize that establishing a personal connection with Jews for whom we are the only Jewish thing in their life is the most profound thing. Their sense of feeling that they have someone here for them, that we're just here for them. The members of the Austin Elbaz family can attest that Goldman's approach worked for them. Yeah, definitely. She's a big part of who I've become today and the reasons why I am here in Israel, to be honest with you. Connections are made, you know, you might think that they've been lost over time, but, you know, just one phone call is all it takes to reconnect. It's something that's important uh, to connect to people, you know, just to not disregard, you know, other Jews just because they're not as religious as you or not religious at all. It doesn't make one person more Jewish than the next.
the big takeaway is that you never know the, the, the kindness of people, what, what impact they can have in your, in your future life down the road, you know. And in the case of the Elba story, it's like you, you may not see the fruits of your labor for decades, but the seeds that you've planted are going to grow. Don't doubt that something good will come out of every good deed that you've done. It may take 10, 15 years and you may hear about it, you may not hear about it, but something's sprouting from that. It doesn't have to be big, it can be very subtle, but it's enough that it left like an imprint. They still have that connection, you know, it's wonderful. I'm Gary Wallach. Thanks for listening to Lamplighters, stories from Chabad emissaries on the Jewish frontier. We welcome your questions and comments about what you've just heard on Lamplighters. Please email us at podcast at lubavitch.com. And if you know of a great story involving Chabad emissaries or the people they inspire, please let us know about them. That's podcast at L-U-B-A-V-I-T-C-H dot com. To subscribe digitally to Lubavitch International Magazine or to receive it at your doorstep, please visit lubavitch.com slash subscribe. This is a Lubavitch International podcast.